0: Welcome one and all to episode 124 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, I mean, you you text to me secretly. I'm not supposed to expose this. But you watched more of San Jose State Southern Utah than you did all of preseason football combined this, this weekend. How, how are you doing other than ready to go? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that sums up what interests me. Um, I'm, I'm such a draft junkie that I was watching as much Week 0 action as I could. And uh, I just don't really get too excited about preseason football after a lifetime spent as a Browns fan and seeing uh, preseason really not translate into anything meaningful during the regular season. So, um, yeah, we're good. We have Week 0. Games are in the books. We're going to talk about week zero. We're going to talk about some week one storylines for all of college football. Uh, We're going to preview Thursday's games, a couple of them anyway. And then um, on Patreon later this week, we're going to preview the the Friday game and uh, the big Friday game and then five big matchups on Saturday. So I'm excited to talk about all that. Patreon, again, two bucks a month gets you the extra bonus podcast each week. I'm actually going to do something even better this week. I've got about 20, I'll have about 25 teams previewed for their uh, draft prospects for 2022 by the end of this week. And I'm going to take those down and put those in the $2 tier. Normally those would be in the $4 tier, but for this week and anyone who signs up for the $2 tier, you can go through all those previews. We've got Basically, the top twenty-five teams by our estimation. I'm gonna have them all previewed. I just posted Texas today, so I'm ready to roll, Seth.
0: Yeah, in week zero this week, I mean, we had basically two outcomes. Uh, one, we saw guys that transferred, or you know, maybe in their second year after a transfer, and showed up, and we had. Uh, Nebraska look like they are a, well an FCS team, and who knows what's going on there. But that's something we'll talk about shortly. First, who caught our eye in week one, and we've talked about Nick Starkle probably more than every podcast combined on Earth. Um, but at this, <laughs> but at this yeah, point, exactly. at this point, he's playing like a draftable prospect and that's why we want to like while he's doing that i think it's only fair that we continue to you know identify him as playing well
1: yeah we we mentioned him as one of the players to watch in the week zero games last week on patreon and he did what he was supposed to do they're playing an fcs team you want uh your quarterback who if you consider him draftable you you need him to show that he can dominate fcs teams And he went out, he threw for, uh, he was 16-27, of which was a little below 60%, but they were taking a lot of shots down the field. Um, He threw for 394 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. He had an ugly pick six that uh, takes him down a notch, but all in all, Starkle played really well against Southern Utah, and he did look draftable to me. He came out with a lot more velocity and zip on his passes than I really thought he would. So um, stock up for him. And I I did uh, write about him a little bit on Patreon, too, when I wrote the box score scouting article for this week. So, yeah, Starkle caught my eye. And then um, we'll go to the defensive side of the ball. The next guy that kind of caught my eye was a Nebraska edge player named Fildarius Payne. Um, and I wanted to mention, by the way, going back to Starkle, he did all that in only three quarters. He did not play at all in the fourth quarter. And along those lines, Payne, who, uh, as, as Seth mentioned, Nebraska, played pretty poorly, but they started hot. They had an early 9-2 to uh, lead, and Payne was part of that. He had two sacks in the first quarter against Illinois, and I think the second one took out Brandon Peters, the Illinois starting quarterback. And then, They had to bring in their backup, Art Sikowski. So, Payne was was one that caught my eye. How about you, Seth?
0: Yeah, I think one of the best players this weekend was a guy, again, that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Not to toot our own horns or anything, but, I mean, they showed out in week one. So, I think it's – or week zero, technically, and I think it's important to check them out. And that was uh, Zach Charbonnet of of UCLA. Six carries, but – that's all he needed. Six carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns versus Hawaii. Oh, by the way, he did that in the first half.
1: Right. So, <laughs> that was kind of the theme of the week. Like, the, some of these guys were putting out dominant performances and they didn't even get to play the whole game or they did they, did what they did early in the game.
0: Yeah, and it's just interesting because Stargle's one thing. I mean, he failed pretty hard at, at a couple, you know, big schools. And so it's not like he didn't get an, uh, an opportunity. Charbonneau was a weird one because he's a guy that had played well at Michigan. Yeah, he, he was
1: playing really well as a freshman. But then, um, you know, it not just,
0: it just seemed like he and Jim Harbaugh could never get on the same page.
1: It seems like that for a lot of Michigan guys. You see a lot of players go uh, on to have success lately. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones looks like he's going to be legitimately the third receiver there in Cleveland, and that's only behind OBJ and, and uh, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry. Landry. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Nico Collins flashing some talent there in Houston, and uh, Charbonnet goes and transfers and has a, a breakout first half. You know that forty-seven-yard touchdown he had—I think that was the second one of the game. He did break some pretty weak tackles, but. Still, to put up that kind of performance in the first half, it's encouraging for UCLA. Um, So we got a theme going, I guess, with transfers, though, because uh, Starkle was a double transfer. Payne was a JUCO transfer. And Charbonnet came over from Michigan. And another guy who caught our eye was another player who started his college career at Michigan. And uh, then he went on to Iowa, and now he's at Nebraska, his second year there. And that's receiver oliver martin and uh, our buddy kyle posey had told us he tipped us off to martin years ago uh when he was still i think a high school recruit and told us this kid is crazy athletic he's going to be a player he hadn't really broken out but this week career high six catches 103 yards and a touchdown he caught a nice over the shoulder deep ball from adrian martinez who otherwise had a lot of trouble passing the ball but um Martin really stood out, and this is a kid who's got a 40-inch vertical and runs about a 4.5, and he's about 6'1", 200, 205. So another double transfer on our list, but a player to watch for sure.
0: Week one has some really intriguing storylines as we head into really the true start of the college football season. First thing is all four playoff teams from 2020 are are starting new quarterbacks. Um You know, you've got C.J. Stroud, who is a. You're gonna have to help me with
1: classifications now. He's He's a he's a redshirt freshman. freshman, He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then you've got uh, D.J. U at Clemson, who's a true
1: sophomore. Probably because he did actually start some games last year for Clemson.
0: And then we've got um, the transfer from Wisconsin at Notre Dame is. He a true senior, redshirt senior?
1: He's a redshirt senior. That's Jack Cohn coming over there from Wisconsin. And he's going to start for Notre Dame. So we'll see how far he gets along this season.
0: (laughs) And then we have Alabama who, I mean, they just replaced five-star recruits. So it's not like it's a huge deal. Um, But they're, you know, starting a new quarterback as well. What's – first off – Cones the only draft eligible guy,
1: right? Cones the only draft eligible guy, and we. I mean, I don't really consider him to be. I, I guess maybe he could go in the late rounds, but I consider him more like an undrafted free agent type.
0: Bryce Young was a five-star recruit. What two mm-hmm. years ago? Or right?
1: Um, he was in um, the same class as Stroud, yeah, and yeah, so, and DJU. They were all in the same class.
0: Now. He's interesting because, and I know we're super early on this, but he's a he's a very small kid, comparatively speaking to what we've seen before. Listed, they list him at five eleven and one hundred ninety pounds, one hundred ninety four pounds now. Um, yeah. Obviously, highly rated quarterback coming out of um, California. Is is Young going to be the next, you know, first-round draft pick? Or is, like, what are your thoughts on him? Because, I mean, this is super early, obviously, but it just feels like he's, he's a little bit different than the other guys they've had in the past.
1: Yeah, he, he seems different. But I think Kyler Murray really reopened the door for – short quarterbacks and you look at picture young he doesn't look like he's going to come close to 511 but um he's another guy <laughs> I don't think he's as fast as Murray either but he's got some running ability some mobility and um he's got a he's got a big arm so I think he's definitely going to be you know he's he's going to one of these schools that's just been cranking out highly drafted quarterbacks over the last a few years, and, and I think those trends are going to continue with Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. Like these guys, um, you know, maybe if Justin Fields doesn't play well for the Bears, there, there might become an Ohio State stigma. But for now, all three of these teams, their quarterbacks and the program of their development of quarterbacks seems to be pretty highly regarded. And I don't see why Young wouldn't fall in, in line with that because with Bama, because um, like I said, Murray opening the door, going uh, number one overall at five foot nine. I think at, at the very least, Young would be thought of as a first round pick if he continues putting up numbers like like to uh, like Mac Jones. I mean, nobody thought Mac Jones was going to be a first round pick at start last year. In fact, a lot of people thought Young would take over at some point.
0: Then we have you know the kind of the two guys that are going to garner probably the most, I mean, young's going to garner a ton of, of attention, but just like you said, it's, it's the Bama thing just as much as young, but CJ Stroud and, and DJ. Yunglele, yeah. <laughs> um, are both going to start off as 2023, I would say top 10 picks
1: You know, um, I I mentioned Stroud when we talked about him getting named the starter. I think he's going to be a a Heisman candidate in that offense. But the thing about DJU is, like I said, among these guys, aside from Cone, he's the only one that started a game. And C.J. Stroud, among these guys, is the only one who hasn't thrown a pass in a college game. You know, he played in the spring game but he did not throw a pass last season. In fact, nobody but Justin Fields threw a pass for Ohio State all last season. I know it was a short, uh, COVID-shortened season, but it's still pretty unusual that even in mop-up time they didn't have a single one of their young QBs throw a pass. So Stroud is really, really an unknown here, more so than than any of these other guys because we just haven't seen him.
0: The other big story, well, I don't know if we're gonna call it big, but one of the big questions right now is what the hell's going on with Nebraska? We talked about that when we previewed them, and they just made it worse with their opening week loss to the mighty Illini of Illinois. Um, when you look at when you look at Scott Frost, he's clearly on the hot seat, but is he gonna get the full year or do you think he's got a chance to, you know, at least stick it or get fired if, if things continue to look this bad?
1: I I would have told you he'd get the whole year until after this weekend, but you know, Brett Bielma comes back, he's coaching Illinois, he's had a lot of success in the Big Ten, and immediately Illinois, which has been an also ran for years, just um, kind of mops the floor with nebraska they got out to a 30 to 9 lead and that was again after their starting quarterback went out with an injury so i think most troubling is that frost comes out today and says our whole offensive game plan went out the window when we saw how they lined up what illinois was doing on defense as far as i'm no coach but as far as my estimation they didn't do anything unusual. They weren't throwing crazy looks like Romeo Cornell used to do when he was a defensive coordinator um, back with the Patriots and later when he uh, was the, the coordinator for the Browns and later head coach there. We weren't seeing any crazy looks. We weren't seeing any crazy uh, Rex Ryan blitzes. Like I don't know what Scott Frost is talking about, and he's supposed to be the offensive coach. He's supposed to be an offensive-minded coach. You know, it's very troubling. Adrian Martinez was a highly touted recruit, and he came out. He was one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten when he was a freshman, and then he completely stagnated. He, he was bounced around in and out of the lineup. This weekend, he, he still looked like he hadn't gotten any better as a passer. I think, uh, he, he, I think he has some NFL-level athleticism, but Frost didn't do anything to help develop him. As, as a quarterback, and I think that all of those things are troubling. I think he has a really good chance of not making it out of this season, and that's pretty crazy when you think about what the success that he had at UCF and then what a get he was to kind of come back home to his alma mater, Nebraska, and it's been a complete flop.
0: It's crazy to think that, and so I saw somebody tweet this, so I don't want to be the guy that, like, steals it, but – I'm just going to agree with this take. It's crazy that um, that Martinez is the best quarterback they can get there,
1: right? Yeah, and I think they thought they had uh, maybe a better one with Luke McCaffrey who came in last year, but then he transferred out after one year. So you have seen a lot of attrition of Scott Frost's own recruits too, and that's another troubling sign when a guy you think maybe could become your starting quarterback is there for a year and for whatever reason he jetted after one year he, he couldn't take it and that's not the only guy who's left you know scott frost is like almost an amplified version of what's happened at michigan under harbaugh because at least harbaugh has won you know eight eight or nine games here and there at least he's had a little bit of success where frost has had none When you look at
0: Coastal Carolina opening up their season on, I believe, Thursday this week, correct?
1: Yeah. That's is correct, it, yeah.
0: Is it Wednesday? No, I they're think
1: Thursday. they're on Thursday against Citadel, right?
0: Yeah, the Citadel. I'm very, I, and you look at what they did last year, are they in a position to repeat their success? Obviously, from a scheduling standpoint, yes. There's a bigger question, and that is, you know, can they do it? On the field?
1: Well, they have a lot of key guys coming back. They did lose CJ Marable, but they've got uh, Javon Hiley and Isaiah Likely, their two top targets in the receiving game, coming back. They've got their quarterback coming back. Um, they have a running back who played behind Marable coming back. And according to PFF, they have like a top 10 uh, college coach, right? Or top 20 college coach. So, um,. You know, looking at their off looking at their out of conference schedule and they're playing Citadel, the Citadel, they're playing Kansas. But that game's at home. Uh, they go at Buffalo. Maybe that might be their toughest non conference game because they're also playing UMass. But uh, then you get into the Sunbelt games and, and I think they're they were pretty solid against all these Sunbelt teams last year, so I don't see any Anybody that's too that's on their schedule it's going to pose too big of a threat to them um, after last year, you know, when they beat BYU last year. So I think Coastal, uh, although they did lose to Liberty in their bowl game, I think they've got a good chance to run the table again. The question is going to be, does that matter? Do they, do they have a prayer to get in the playoffs? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is no.
0: One of the guys I'm excited to look at, and I can just tell you right now from – what I'm looking at, and you know, players I'm watching early in the season, you're going to see a list that really heavily facilitates towards the Arizona Cardinals. So I apologize ahead of time, but that's the NFL team I follow. So I tend to follow or look for weaknesses at the prospect position um, that they need. And tight ends, one of those positions. So this week, players to watch, you're going to hear a lot of tight end conversations for me so i apologize ahead of time but isaiah likely from coastal carolina is a player I'm, I'm interested to watch obviously against citadel it's you take everything kind of with a grain of salt but he looked like a guy that can play at the next level last year uh again what they list him at i 6'4 in the 250 range we'll see if that's what he really is i'm you know i'm never gonna worry about that until we get to the combine but he looks like he can move he looks like he blocks well again citadel week one but it's also on thursday so i'm excited to you know have an idea of what the tight end class looks like um heading into this year
1: yeah I, it, it's shaping up uh, there are some good tight ends coming out and likely is one of them but to me i think he's Probably going to be closer to later stages of the draft, the day three area. But he is certainly an athletic guy and definitely one of their most dangerous playmakers and looks like the type of player that could play for a bigger program. Um, but he he's there at Coastal, and he's going to be a key part of their offense. Uh, last question I have for uh, week one storylines are: is can Steve Sarkeesian revive Texas? They've been trying this for years now. We got to go back to Mac Brown's, Mac Brown and uh, his marriages to Vince Young and Colt McCoy to really find great Texas teams. And since then, it's kind of run, you know, run ashore and they just haven't been able to get back on track like that. Uh, Texas is going to be joining the SEC pretty soon. And if they don't straighten up, they're going to be SEC also ran. So. It's really important, I think, for Sarkisian to make an immediate impact, and we're going to talk about their matchup more on the Patreon show. So tune into that. But um, that's that's a big looming question, and and I just don't know that he is going to be. You know, T- Tom Herman did an amazing job recruiting at Texas, but he couldn't get anything Coach, out of the recruits, yeah. um, which is. You know, unusual because Herman had gotten uh, success out of his recruits, the, the Urban Meyer recruits at Ohio State and his, his own recruits at Houston. But um, Sark going to have uh, his work cut out for him with Texas. Let's talk about Thursday games. I got two that I'm very interested in. You know, we talked about Coastal, but they should cruise against the Citadel. How about Boise State at UCF? These are two unranked teams, but there's some intrigue here because they both have first-year head coaches, their first year with the team. Gus Malzahn makes his UCF debut, and uh, Andy Avalos debuts for Boise State. Uh, This game's on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern Thursday, so it's before the big game. UCF's favored by five. What do you think about that line? Who are you taking in this one?
0: Because it's at UCF, I'm comfortable with that line. If it was at Boise, it might be a little different, but I don't know. I, I feel like Boise is taking a step back in terms of the overall talent that they bring in um, year in and year out. And UCF seems to be kind of what Boise was maybe a couple of years ago. They're not quite at the, you know, uh, Fiesta Bowl level Boise yet, but they're, they're maybe, you know... Pushing for one of those games.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Dylan Gabriel was UCF's quarterback. He was fifth in the FBS in passing yards last year. And um, I think he's going to be a good fit with with Gus Malzahn year one. We saw things kind of crumble at Auburn under Malzahn, but it's a fresh start here. He's got a lot less pressure in this conference. And the other thing, Boise State – Lost both non-conference games last year. They did well when they got into the Mountain West schedule, but they didn't do well out of conference. So I'm taking UCF with the with the points. Um, UCF minus five as well. So the big game Thursday, of course, is the Ohio State Buckeyes, ranked number four in the early poll, and they're at Minnesota to face PJ Fleck and the Golden Gophers. That game's on Fox at eight PM. Buckeyes are favored by 14. Now, we talked about Stroud. There's also a question around who is going to be Ohio State's top running back. Master Teague looked like the incumbent. Like he he split time last year with Trey Sermon. It looked like it was going to be his job for a year. But it seems like Mayan Williams, a sophomore from Cincinnati, might be overtaking. Master T, and I think they're both just placeholders until freshman Travion Henderson is ready to go and eventually takes that job and runs. But there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period against some veteran players for, for Minnesota. So I'm not sure. What do you think about this game?
0: Yeah, I feel like this is another kind of easy call. Um, 14's a lot. Okay. 14, 14's a lot at, you know, as the home team.
1: They're on the road at night. That's what, that's what I mean yeah.
0: for Minnesota being the home team, giving up 14s a lot. But right. I, f- I feel like you're going to see Ohio State come out early and really set a tone and really kind of set the stage for what they expect to be a dominant year overall.
1: And I guess I was kind of playing coy because I think Ohio State covers as well. Um, you've got some veteran talent on Minnesota, or I guess should say some veteran players at least. Uh, quarterback Tanner Morgan is a fifth-year quarterback. And Muhammad Ibrahim is veteran running back there. Chris Altman-Bell is their leading receiver from last year who's returning. So you've got some, some skill guys there, but I don't think they're enough to keep up with Ohio State. And I think Ohio State just has a major speed advantage. We saw Fleck challenge an Urban Meyer coached Buckeye team when he was coaching at Western Michigan. In fact, I think you and I were watching that together at the time, and it was a little closer than it should have been because Western Michigan had a pair of very fast receivers that burned Ohio State's secondary. I don't see Minnesota with any kind of speed on offense that's going to really challenge Ohio State, and I think Ohio State's going to kind of run away from them early.
0: Are there any other games on uh thursday that you are interested in
1: you know we're going to talk about the the friday games and uh, the friday big game on friday and then uh some saturday games i should mention that utah ranked 24th is playing but they're they're playing against weber state um you know, the first game of the week that kicks off is actually Wednesday. UAB's playing Jacksonville State. So you got another FBS versus FCS matchup. Uh, the first game on Thursday is Temple at Rutgers. I don't think anybody's too crazy about that. So I think we're previewing the right games. Maybe Bowling Green at Tennessee because Tennessee's got Joe just Heupel to see now. What, Josh Hype. Yeah, now. Josh Heupel.
0: Just to see and, what Tennessee actually has.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and they just named a starting quarterback. Today and that's uh, another Michigan transfer, Joe Milton. So um, you got Arizona State's also playing on on Thursday night. That'll be a a game people watch because it'll be the last game on if you get Pac-12 yeah. 12 Network. And, and but they're we playing mean, Southern Utah, who we just yeah. saw this last weekend.
0: Exactly. So it's not going to be an interesting game. And if it is, then Herm Edwards has got more trouble than just his uh, COVID recruiting scandal. So
1: yeah, you know if if um, If Nick Starkle can can tear up Southern Utah, you'd like to think Jaden Daniels for ASU can do the same or better. Um, Maybe uh, UNLV is intriguing because they have another double transfer. Tate Martell is the former (laughs) Ohio State quarterback, the former Miami quarterback. He should have just stayed at home from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, and he's now at uh, UNLV, so I think he's now in his fifth season, so – that's that's about it for the Thursday game. You got we gave you the two games that you really want to watch, and uh, the rest of them, you know, if you're a diehard, you might tune into some of these other ones. But uh, those are the two that I'm going to be focusing on.
0: Let's check in on uh, this week's hot take before we get out of here.
1: All right. So we know that Travis Etienne came out of the preseason with uh, the dreaded Liz Frank foot injury, and even though there was some hope that he might be able to suit up at some point this season. The Jaguars immediately put him on injured reserve once the diagnosis was confirmed. But that that's uh, it's terrible. It's awful to knock uh, for a young guy to get knocked out of the season, his rookie season with a, a rough injury. But that never stops running backs don't matter Twitter from jumping in and piling on. They will never relent. And I'm going to this guy sports talk atl jake who had the at can't guard jake and i think he's protected his account since then probably a good idea after this take hope etn makes a full recovery but yeah maybe don't take a running back in the first round after a 1-15 season just a thought um keep that thought to yourself after the injury man it's just it's tacky uh you could say that it was a bad pick for them to take a running back but the thing was i think urban meyer had a role in mind a specific role in mind for etn and i think he was going to be a pretty big part of their offense so you can say that the position doesn't matter that drafting a running back is a bad idea they had an earlier first round pick that they used on the number one quarterback in the whole draft so i think you can argue whether it's a good pick or not but The time for arguing about whether it was a good pick or not was back in April. And it's certainly not the moment that a young guy loses his uh, livelihood for the season. I mean, he's still going to get paid, but you never know how a guy's going to come back from an injury, especially a guy whose game is based on speed and quickness. So, you know, the running backs don't matter thing is just, first of all, it's so tired at this point. And second of all. It, you don't have to keep repeating it we understand that a lot of people think that way and I just think again it was kind of a tasteless thing at this point
0: yeah there's a time and place to to uh, flaunt your I'm right type of thing uh, that that was not one of them
1: yeah and I think I think Jake kind of came to know that at that point so maybe i I shouldn't pile on either here because Uh, He got retweeted and quote-tweeted by some people, including some people that that worked to beat for Jacksonville. And uh, I think, again, that's why it drove him to lock his account. So hopefully he's he's, uh, thinking better. He's going to grow as a tweeter and not pile on when something like that happens. So, Jake, I forgive you. I think Travis Etienne would forgive you. Let's uh, move on and do better with the tweets. (laughs)
0: Exactly. And uh, that'll be it from us this week. Well, actually, we'll be back later in the week to discuss, well, the Friday and Saturday games and the big games coming up. Uh, But before we get out of here, we need to mention one last thing that the uh, Hamline University Pipers uh, travel to
1: St. Boniface. St. (laughs) Bonifacius. Yeah, uh,
0: Minnesota this week to take on the Crown College Storm, so good luck to the uh, uh, the, the Pipers. That's
1: Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, and you can stream that game through the uh, Hamline University website if you so want to watch some NAIA action. Go Pipers! And that'll be it from
0: us. Appreciate you guys listening as always. We'll be back later this week. If you want to... Catch all our shows. Uh, sign up for our Patreon. $2 a month gets you all the bonus episodes. $4 a month gets you the written content as well. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back later this week. Have a good night, everybody.
1: We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of, what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review sign up for our patreon it's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes four dollars a month for all additional content something like that yeah we should work on something like that that could be it right there a read yeah that's it (laughs) exactly